From Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. In U.S. politics, the fight is on for the right to believe our own eyes and ears and to teach the truth, especially when it comes to the apartheid state of Israel. Let's just get this record straight here. This is not something that's made up. The United Nations Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, Israel's own largest human rights organization, Beit Salem, all agree that Israel is an apartheid state. And you've heard of Black August? But July is the perfect month to mark the struggles and victories of the people of Central and South America. We'll hear from those who rallied in front of the White House to celebrate and defend the sovereignty of Latin American and Caribbean countries. Our demands are celebrate and defend the sovereignty of Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. All that and more coming up. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. First, some headlines. The impact of the growing movement against apartheid Israel was in full effect in Washington as Israel's President Isaac Herzog was in town to speak before a joint session of Congress on Wednesday, July 19th. The controversial visit was a galvanizing moment for the anti-apartheid movement as just four days earlier, activists pressed the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus about Israel's policies. At a raucous session of the annual Netroots Nation gathering in Chicago, Representative Pramila Jayapal described Israel as, quote unquote, a racist state, drawing a flurry of condemnation almost immediately within the United States. Although outside of the U.S., a world majority agrees with Jayapal's words. At least 177 Palestinians have been killed by either Israeli military or Jewish settlers since the start of this year, while hundreds more have been displaced as homes or entire communities have been bulldozed and Palestinians have been attacked by racist mobs. One day before Herzog's address, Democrats turned a blind eye toward this public sentiment both around the world and within their own party, joining with Republicans in passing a resolution declaring that Israel is neither racist nor apartheid. Defying the findings of human rights organizations, countless independent observers, and obvious facts on the ground. That resolution passed 412 to 9, and during the floor debate, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, the only Palestinian-American in Congress, took to the floor to speak out against it and to provide proof of racism and apartheid in Israel. You don't have to take it from me to understand the racism of an apartheid government. Let's take a moment just to hear Israeli government's own politician in their own words. Direct quotes, not mine. Current Prime Minister Netanyahu on his policies towards Palestinians, quote, Beat them up, not once, but repeatedly. Beat them up until it's unbearable. And said that Israel must, quote, crush Palestinian hopes for a fully sovereign state. One of the former defense ministers said Palestinians are, quote, beasts, and they are not human. He's talking about people like my grandmother, Mr. Speaker. How about former justice minister who said they should go, as should the physical homes in which they raise the snakes. 
Otherwise, more little snakes will be raised there. How about another former defense minister said, quote, those who are against us, there's nothing to be done. We need to pick and ax them and cut off their heads. Another quote, there is no such thing as Palestinian people. Israeli's time has expired. At its core. Mr. Speaker, Israeli's own president who's The gentlelady's time Congress. has expired. Does the gentleman for New York reserve or yield? I give the gentlelady 30 seconds. Israel's own president, Herzog, who's going to come before Congress tomorrow, has long advocated against interracial marriages. Did you all know that? Do you care? He said on a news segment, look it up. When he came to America, he said, quote, encountered something that I call an actual plague. I saw my friends' children married and coupled with non-Jewish partners. Israel is an apartheid state. The government is deeply problematic in the way that they are proceeding in the structure of oppression. This year, Mr. Speaker, just like I speak up against injustices here in America, this is about speaking up the against violence. time has expired. Violence. This is a gentleman for New York. Congress must stop funding apartheid. Tlaib joined with Representative Cory Bush of Missouri in issuing a statement echoing the sentiments of nine lawmakers who boycotted Herzog's address. They wrote, quote, It's important to remember that South Africa's apartheid government also had bipartisan support in the U.S. Congress. It is shameful to deliberately ignore and even normalize this racist and oppressive system of apartheid by welcoming President Herzog or any member of the Israeli government to address Congress, end quote. Also referring to the $3 billion in aid the U.S. sends annually to Israel, they added, quote, It's contradictory to claim to support human rights when you're arming the oppressors with billions of dollars of bullets and bombs, end quote, they wrote. In Florida, lawmakers are also turning their backs on facts. Teachers, parents, historians, and human rights advocates are condemning Florida's new K-12 history curriculum for teaching that slavery gave African-Americans beneficial quote-unquote skills and for focusing disproportionately on so-called black-on-black violence. After vehement testimony and opposition, the Florida Board of Education adopted new guidelines that state, quote, instruction includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit, end quote. Florida State Geraldine Thompson, who fought to include a lesson about the 1920 Ocoee, Florida massacre, in which a white mob murdered dozens of black people trying to vote, told the Washington Post that the curriculum included suggestions that, quote, the massacre was sparked by violence from African-Americans, That's blaming the victims, end quote, she said. Florida Education Association, the state's largest teachers union, said in a statement that, quote, these standards are a disservice to Florida students and are a big step backward, end quote. Author, professor and activist Ibram X. Kendi compared the tone of the new curriculum to enslavers who, quote, defended slavery by claiming it was a positive good for black people, end quote, he said. And finally, in culture and media, the House Judiciary Committee voted unanimously to advance the Fourth Amendment is Not for Sale Act, which would ban the government from purchasing Americans' data from data brokers instead of obtaining the required warrant. The committee also voted to advance the Press Act, 
a bill that would provide strong protections to journalists and their sources. And a former meteorologist for the Weather Channel, Guy Walton has started naming deadly heat waves after fossil fuel companies. Common Dreams reports that Walton runs a blog dedicated to monitoring extreme weather. He has dubbed the heat wave that began over California in early July and has now stretched all the way to the southwest as Heat Wave Chevron. So far this year, he's named three U.S. heat waves after fossil fuel companies with category one to five rankings modeled after the scale for hurricanes. The first heat wave Amoco in the Pacific Northwest briefly reached category three status in May and damaged Canadian oil and gas production by igniting wildfires. Next came heat wave British Petroleum, which reached category four status and baked Texas parts of the Southwest and Mexico in June. The heat wave was made at least five times more likely by the climate crisis, Climate Central calculated. Heat wave Chevron has also reached Category 4 status, which Walton defines as breaking several all-time records and causing 100 to 1,000 deaths. One concern about the heat wave is that it has continued to stretch on and on. On July 19th, Phoenix, Arizona reported its 20th day in a row of temperatures at 110 degrees Fahrenheit. And those are our headlines and happenings. Up next, as progressives celebrate a new wave of leftist leaders in Mexico, Colombia, and Brazil, they also condemn continued U.S. intervention in places like Haiti and Peru. Stay with us. From those who dare to interrupt the violence To those who expose the truth and break the silence Warriors who work to open up the prison bars Valiant souls who stand up against the unjust wars Multitudes who defy walls along the border Masses who unify to protect our water Rebel minds who unionize for workers' rights Feelers hard to fight to defend trans lives Those who take back their land and their health the wealth, youth who demand a right to education, those who reclaim political power in their nation. July 20th and July 28th are the Independence Days of Venezuela, Colombia, and Peru. July 19th is the anniversary of the Sandinista People's Revolution in Nicaragua, and the third takeover of Lima by the indigenous rural peoples of Peru who have been resisting the coup against Pedro Castillo since December 7, 2022. And July 26th is the anniversary of Comandante Fidel's attack on Moncada Barracks. Yep. July 24th and July 28th are the birthdays of Simon Boulevard and Hugo Chavez as well. 
Many organizations have come together in solidarity here today with the people of Latin America and the Caribbean. For us, these historic dates and the ongoing struggles strengthen us here in the belly of the beast to continue the fight against U.S. imperialism. So our demands are celebrate and defend the sovereignty of Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. fighting for the liberation of our country, Borican, or the so-called Puerto Rico. We've seen some excellent speakers today talking about the struggle to preserve sovereignty in Latin America and the Caribbean. Countries like Cuba, Venezuela, Chile, and Nicaragua have had to endure murderous sanctions and fascist coup attempts sponsored by the U.S. government. They are fighting a heroic struggle to defend their sovereignty, and we support them. I'd like to take a short time to tell you what happens when you have no sovereignty. For the U.S. does not just attempt to destroy the self-determination of foreign countries. It also keeps my people as a colonial possession, completely without sovereignty. Much like it does to Native people, Black people, Hawaiians, and the Chamorro people of Guam. Yes. The so-called USA is nothing more than a prison house of colonized peoples. Come on. And I'd like to relate to you a view of the ways the USA does not allow my people to have sovereignty. During the 1930s, in a eugenics campaign that would rival the Nazis in scope, one-third of the women of our islands were sterilized against their will by the US government. There has been no apology or acknowledgement for this. For decades, any display of Puerto Rican national pride was a felony. This was known as La Ley de la Mordesa, or the gag law. Thousands went to prison for crimes as small as owning a Puerto Rican flag or singing our national anthem. In the 1950s, in order to stop an uprising for independence, the American army was sent in, resulting in not just massacres by ground troops, but the killing of ostensible United States citizens by bombing and strafing runs from American aircraft. The island of Vieques endured decades of being used as a war testing ground by the American military, resulting in the highest cancer rate in the Caribbean. Economically, our sovereignty is strangled by the fiscal control board known as La Junta. This unelected dictatorial board has complete control over our country's economy, responsible for closing over 600 schools, hospitals, and other critical social programs. In terms of the lack of sovereignty over our resources, we have Luma and Canara BR, U.S. Canadian companies which privatized the generation and distribution of electricity in Puerto Rico against our will, causing constant power outages, high electric bills, and in many cases, deaths. We have no sovereignty over our lands and our waters, not even the right to vote. 
as Act 60 allows foreigners to displace our people and destroy what belongs to us. Many will look at socialist countries like Cuba and attempt to discredit them by claiming that poverty is caused by socialism. I invite them to look at Puerto Rico, a country that has been used by foreigners to gain capital since 1493 to ask if socialism is the problem. Que viva Borica Libre y Socialista! Next, we have Masat talking about Guatemala. Fusil, metralla, el pueblo no se calla. Fusil, metralla, el pueblo no se calla. Hello, people. Uh, my name is Masat, and I'm here representing Sololá, Guatemala. That means, how are you all doing today? This is Cachiquel, uh, and I uh, just wanted like, to kind of update you a little bit about what's going on in Guatemala these days. And we are like in the middle of elections, and now we have our government is totally corrupted, and now they are doing their best to go and to blockade like all the all the ways that they want to do and to kill the little democracy that we still have in Guatemala. And that's why I'm here representing uh, Guatemala at this point. And in case you don't know what's going on in Guatemala, please check out like the news and all the information that we have out there. And so you can be informed and you can also help out as many ways as you can. So thank you so much. And that's why also we are so tired that we as indigenous, we are always ignored and not being part of the elections. As a matter of fact, uh, three months ago, or this year actually, one of our representatives from our community indigenous, Thelma Cabrera, she was suspended for no reason. That's because corruption. So that's why I'm gonna keep saying, Fusil metralla, el pueblo no se calla. Fusil metralla. El pueblo no se calla. Fusil, metralla. El pueblo no se calla. Matios, gracias. As part of its imperialist goals, the United States makes war all over the world. We are calling up Ben from the Answer Coalition to talk about the Monroe Doctrine and Latin American sovereignty. Cuba sí, bloqueo no. Cuba si bloqueo no. Cuba si bloqueo no. Up, up, up with the people. You already know that. <laughs> this year, the Monroe Doctrine turns 200 years old. The doctrine was an early sign of U.S. empire seeking to exert control over the entirety of the two continents we call the Americas. Since then, though, what have we seen? We've seen nothing of benefit from this doctrine that has been extended on life support for two centuries. And we say, end the Monroe Doctrine once and for all. Yeah. Through this doctrine, we saw the invasion of a sovereign Mexico in 1846. In 1856, a private unit citizen named William Walker 
was driven by the desire of a racist so-called manifest destiny to invade Nicaragua and declare himself the president. In 1898, the United States intervened in Cuba's fight for independence from Spain, not only seizing Cuba, but the Philippines, Guam, and Puerto Rico under Washington's control, where it still remains. But when the beginning of the Cold War, the global class war, began between the socialist bloc and the U.S., it accelerated Washington's violence on Latin America. In 1954, the CIA directed the bombing invasion, the overthrow of President Jacob Arbenz in Guatemala, just because the crime of taking back land controlled by the United Fruit Company. In 1973, the CIA-backed military coup by Agustin Pinochet on Salvador Allende's government. What was the crime? Again, controlling the resources that belong to the people, not U.S. corporations. From 1981 to 1990, the CIA funded the Contra death squads against the Sandinista People's Movement, murdering more than 50,000 people. The list goes on. We're in a constant discovery of these new crimes cast out by Washington and its puppets in all the respective countries. But we're also, we also mark the victory of people from around the world. Within these 200 years, we've also seen the defeat of the Yankee forces. Through in 1961 with the Bay of Pigs. We're also celebrating, of course, the 44th anniversary of the Sandinista Revolution. This year we start the victory, we honor the victory 70 years ago of the beginning, or not the victory, but the beginning of the Moncada Rebellion against the dictatorship in Cuba. The defeat of the Yankee forces in these areas showed that it was possible to resist U.S. imperialism. You don't need all the money, you need the people on your side. That's right. And we know that we stand with the millions of people in, in Latin America, in Cuba, in Bolivia, in Venezuela, in Haiti, in Nicaragua, everywhere. But what is really the end game? We know the Cold War's ended, yet they're still attacking our people and our friends and comrades below the border um, and elsewhere in Africa and Asia. And the encirclement of China presents a new global threat of world war. So what are we supposed to do at this point? The only way to end the U.S. blockade on Cuba, the only way to end the sanctions regime on Venezuela and Nicaragua, and end the constant tampering, assassinations, bombings, invasions, in all the affairs of Latin America and the rest of the world, is to end U.S. imperialism once and for all. The only way to end this, though, is we need to follow the example of those that we're, we're celebrating today and have our own revolution right here in this country. So today we honor the 44th anniversary of the Nicaraguan Revolution. We honor the 70th anniversary of the Moncada Barracks. We celebrate people's resistance in Latin America, Africa, Asia, and elsewhere, hoping that next year we will also be joining in an anniversary of our own, our own revolution.
for that chance. Up next, we'd like to call Lucy Paguada from the Frente de Mujeres Internacionalistas for la Justicia y la Paz, for the Internationalist Women's Front for Justice and Peace. If everyone wouldn't mind coming in and taking five big steps forward, you don't have to be so far away if you don't mind. Yeah, I do really appreciate that. Because I want to do an alerta. I think we're being a little bit too passive and we need to be so very out there with our strength of our heart. So, le voy a invitar. I'm going to invite you to do an alerta and I'm going to show you how to do it, okay? So, we're just going to say, alerta. 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 Alerta que camina. La lucha popular por América Latina. Alerta, alerta, alerta que camina. La lucha popular por América Latina. Alerta, alerta, alerta que camina. La lucha popular por América Latina. Y como hoy, since today we are talking about sovereignty, right? And what is sovereignty? It's very important. A lot of people talk about it. Mucha gente habla de soberanía. But what do we understand by sovereignty? Well, sovereignty actually means independence. It means peace. It means that the people are allowed to do what they want with their land, with their resources, as they want. Also, it also means that the people are allowed to choose their own government without interference. And no, it is not the United States' role to tell Latin America what kind of governments we want to have. If Cuba wants to be communist socialist, let Cuba live socialist and communist. It is not our role to interfere. If Nicaragua is socialist and the people are happy, let them be happy. Let Nicaragua live and let Cuba live. And the same thing with Venezuela. Venezuela is socialist and we love Venezuela socialist. So let Venezuela live happy in socialism. And we understand that the United States doesn't do it just because they are opposing a political system. We know they do it because they want to steal our resources. In Venezuela, it's been an ongoing situation with oil. We know that. And that's why they never liked President Chavez, our president of Latin America, not just of Venezuela, because we love President Chavez. Just like we love President, President Castillo in Peru. And we want to make sure that people understand that no, it is not that we like Diaz-Canel more than we like Maduro or we like Ortega more than we like Xiomara. We love them all because they are all fighting for their sovereignty, for their independence. We call this the second real independence of Latin America. In 1821, they made us think that we were independent, but we knew we were not. It is now that the countries like Mexico with President AMLO is really becoming independent. It is now in Bolivia with President Evo Morales and Arce that Bolivia actually is becoming independent. It is in Argentina with presidents like Cristina Kirchner and the President now Hernandez that we are going for a real independence. 
and it is in, in Brazil, the biggest country in Latin America, that we are going for real independence with Lula. So we call upon the United States and say, hands off our countries, hands off our resources. We know what the deal is in Chile, in Argentina, and in Bolivia. It's lithium. It is the water of the Amazon. And we understand that that's the real issue. It is the land in which they want to build model cities like in Honduras. Cities that will not allow Hondurans like me to live in because those are going to be cities for the rich, for the 1%. So once again, as a Honduran who lived the atrocities of the coup that was headed by Barack Obama and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in 2009, I am saying, hands up Honduras, hands up Bolivia, hands up Nicaragua, hands up Cuba, hands up Venezuela, hands up Peru that right now is undergoing a brutal coup, a bloody coup that is killing even children and women. We, the women of El Frente, the women of Latin America, in sovereign, in our sovereign right to defend the land, the resources of our country, are saying no more U.S. interventionism, no more militarism, no more military bases. This is the only country that has more than 800 military bases around the world. And we are saying enough. We are a region of peace. You're the one that perpetrates war and criminality and sadness and everything that is wrong for the planet. You are the reason why today here we are burning because it is so hot because of the climate issue. So we are here to say we are part of the solution and we are telling you that you are part of the problem. USA, hands up Latin America, hands up Iran, hands up Africa, hands up also Palestine. And also, we are here to do one more chance because sovereignty has to do with decolonization. And we are decolonizing our minds. We are decolonizing our bodies. We are decolonizing our education system. And this is why today I want to end with one last chance. One last chance. Ino, Ino, Ino nos da la gana de ser una colonia norteamericana y sí, y sí, y sí nos da la gana de ser una potencia latinoamericana ¡Sí se puede! That last voice you heard was of Lucy Pagoda an activist who also hosts the show Voices of Resistance on Pacifica's WBAI radio station in New York City. She was a fiery speaker July 16, 2023, at a rally in front of the White House to celebrate and defend the sovereignty of Latin American and Caribbean countries. After this break, my interview with Lucy and other participants. This is On the Ground. I'm Esther Averam. Stay with us. Expanded in the Mexican landing, pulled guns and grabbed it. It wasn't Democrat. 
on Plymouth Rock? Did you have your papers? When you was dying from sickness caught, did you ask for favors? When all you could grow was stricken crops, did you ask your neighbors? Did they teach you how to survive? Make sure you had the basics, but not glad the gracious what you had was sacred. Wanted they land to take it, cause you planned to rape it. Thankless, would you call a man a racist who would give women and children smallpox and blankets? Then make it like someone else is illegal with a nation of 40 million stolen people and won't apologize for what you know is evil. If you mention immigrants, then you vote for equal. But all of a sudden, if you Mexican, you worse than the others, and it don't matter they were said when it first was discovered. Now that's more disrespectful than cursing your mother, the land of the free, unless you. A person of color, America. Who's been illegal ever since they landed? Who moved out the natives and left them stranded? Who stole Africans from So um, I'm out here on this action to support uh, Latin American sovereignty, and I heard you speaking on Puerto Rico. So tell me why you came out today and, and wanted to participate. I'm Devin. I'm from the Diaspora Palante Collective. Yeah. I'm a Diaspora Puerto Rican and as, ever, as everyone else. And one of the reasons I wanted to come out to support this is that the struggle against colonialism inside the United States, the struggle for black lives and Latin American rights is intimately connected with the struggle against American imperialism overseas. In fact, they are one struggle spawned from one source. So as one advances, so the other advances. Okay, and I think you really let people know a lot about Puerto Rico that people probably aren't aware of. Like, I remember someone telling me about vacationing in Vieques, and I was thinking to myself, wow, my reference point for Vieques is that's where the U.S. was bombing. Is that a place to go on vacation? So I just, I mean, not not that I wouldn't want to support, you know, the people's economy there, but I'm just thinking... Funny funny you should mention that, actually. There is a certain failed Disney actor who has set up a vacation resort in Vieques, taking up valuable land and privatizing the beaches. Vieques has, uh, not only as I mentioned in my speech, the highest cancer rate in the Caribbean, it has one clinic, not even a hospital. It is a part of Puerto Rico that is even more bereft of social services than the rest of the islands. But gringos are coming to set up vacations there, to feel good about themselves, to feel as if they're going somewhere authentic. But what they're doing is they're helping to privatize the resources that belong to us to suck out those resources. Those resources, the profits that are made from those resorts are not going to stay in Puerto Rico. They're going to go back to America. Wow, wow. Yeah, the same thing with, I don't know if you want to do an update. I understand at some point all these crypto people were going there and it was becoming this kind of crypto paradise where prices were going through the roof where these people could pay all this money for properties and everything. Yes. So what's happening with that? So one of the reasons why uh, so many, as you might call them, crypto bros, uh, as you might call them, crypto bros, have uh, moved to Puerto Rico is because of our pro-business, read that in quotation marks, tax code, 
read that as anti-people. And that tax code was imposed by a neo-colonial government and by La Junta, the financial control board, which was not elected, which none of us chose. So the fact that they can come here and have very, very low taxes uh, and trade around their stupid ape pictures, excuse my French, excuse my French, is due to the United States occupying us and and treating us as a colony, colony, as a second-class citizens who have not even a pretense of democracy. Well, okay. Well, thank you, Devin. If people want to get in touch with your organization, do you have a website or something we can let people know about? Yes, uh, diasporapalantecollective.org, D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A-P-A-L-A-N-T, collective.org, or just Google that. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. My name is Lucy Paguada Quesada. And uh, I am a founding member of the organization Frente Internacionalista de Mujeres por la Justicia y la Paz, which is International Women's Front for Peace and Justice. And it has, it's in two areas, Washington and New York City. Okay. And so tell me why you came down today to participate. Well, today is a very important day, July 16th, Sunday, July 16th, here in front of the White House this afternoon, was a very important call for Latin America and the solidarity with the struggles of the people of Latin America, but particularly the sovereignty of our people. Me, I am from Honduras, and I understand what it means when the United States intervenes directly in our countries, because the United States perpetrated a coup, a brutal, bloody coup in 2009 under, unfortunately, the administration of President Barack Obama and his Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. I voted for President Barack Obama and I was very disappointed. But anyway, here we are today and on the 19th of July, it's a very important day for Latin America. It's the 44th anniversary of the revolution of the Sandinista people in Nicaragua and we support them 100%. It's a revolution that stands for dignity, for um, peace, and President Ortega is an example for so many other leaders in Latin America, like my own leader, Presidenta Xiomara Castro, the only female president in the region right now that we elected as the people in resistance in Honduras, the people that uprose against the coup. But also on the 19th is going to be a very big uh, protest in Lima, Peru, against the coup that was perpetrated against President Castillo in December. So for the third time, the people of Peru will take over the capital, Lima. And we were here today to say that we are in solidarity with the people of Peru too, especially the indigenous people of Peru, who are really the ones that are breaking the chains of colonization in the 21st century. But this is a process that all of Latin America is undergoing right now. But Cuba, with its revolution in 1959, showed us the way, the same way with the Sandinista revolution. And of course, Venezuela, since 1999, when President Hugo Chavez first took power and said, enough for you. U.S. imperialism and U.S. exploitation of our oil. So we know that in Latin America, the United States 
intervenes for two reasons. One is for political ideology. Yeah, that's true. But the most important is because of U.S. capitalism exploiting our resources. And today, people need to understand that the coup in Peru has everything to do with lithium. The same thing with U.S. intervention in Argentina, with the World Bank, and in Chile as well, with a president that is, we don't even know what he is, but he is just following the dictates of Washington. So we as the people are the ones that are saying enough of U.S. intervention, and this is why we're here today. It was a beautiful act. Many people came from different parts of the United States. I came from New York, and many others also came from New York, New Jersey, and other parts around the East Coast, just to say enough is enough, and yes to the sovereignty and real freedom of the people. People deserve to live how they want to. They deserve to have the political system they want and the economic system that they want. If they want to be socialist, let them be happy in socialism. Nobody wants capitalism anyway, because capitalism is the one that has been destroying our humanity. We know that global warming, look today, more than 100 degrees here. We still made it, but it was terrible. And we know it has to do with global warming. So if we want to save the species, we want to say no to capitalism, no to U.S. interventionism, no to militarism, and yes to the alternatives. And the alternatives in Latin America, there you have it, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Honduras following the steps, Bolivia, Peru, and you name it. It's beautiful what's going on in, right. the, in our region. Okay, thank you, Lucy. <laughs> thank you so much. as a troika of tyranny. But we know that this is not because they are doing anything wrong, rather because they are doing so many things right. This troika of resistance in the Americas is the three countries in which the military and police are in the hands of the people. And it is not so easy for the imperialists to simply stage a coup d'etat. Instead, these countries are relentlessly attacked with blockades and lies and violations of international law. Cuba has been subjected to the longest siege by any country in modern history with a cruel blockade that has cost the country billions of dollars and causes suffering to the most vulnerable of her citizens. Venezuela was named a threat to U.S. security in the past decade to justify the imposition of illegal unilateral coercive measures, aka sanctions, which investigators say have caused more than 100,000 deaths. The sanctions on Nicaragua are more recent, but are continuously being ratcheted up, such as in the current nefarious sanctions bill just filed in the U.S. Senate. These sanctions are intended to make the economies of these countries fail in the hope that people will overthrow their governments, but also hoping to show that socialist experiments are economic failures. And there is a very sophisticated lie factory 
led by the National Endowment for Democracy and its network of NGOs and parroted by the corporate media to not let us know all the good things these countries are doing for their people. They tell us that Cuba is engaging in human trafficking when in fact it is sending doctors around the world to serve needy communities and training doctors from underserved communities around the world for free. No student debt in Cuba, Nicaragua, or Venezuela. And that includes over 200 Cuban-trained doctors practicing medicine here in the United States. They tell, they tell us that Venezuela is led by a cruel di dictatorship because they don't want unhoused people in the United States to know that Venezuela's Bolivarian Revolution has provided homes to 5 million people in the past two years, 20 years. Venezuela's true, true, look, true crime in the eyes of the U.S. government has, to, has been to lead a process of integration amongst the countries of Latin America and the Caribbean. This is the key to liberation from the yoke of U.S. imperialism. El pueblo unido jamás será vencido. El pueblo unido jamás será vencido. And they tell us that Nicaragua is also a cruel dictatorship that must be stopped while hiding the fact from black people in the United States who live under the thumb of police repression and indigenous activists in the United States, Canada, Peru, and other Latin American countries, that Nicaragua has ceded 31% of its national territory to indigenous and black communities who exercise autonomy or that 80% of Nicaragua's electric grill is re from renewable energy, electric grid. Cynically, the U.S. even manipulates the U.N. human rights system for its regime change plans, twisting arms to get votes against the countries it dislikes. And it even engages in outright lawlessness, such as the illegal kidnapping, torture, and imprisonment of Venezuelan diplomat Alex Saab whose only crime was to bring food to his people who were living under U.S. sanctions. Free Alex Saab! Free Alex Saab! Free Alex Saab! And the U.S. illegally continues the criminal blockade on Cuba after 30 years in which the U.N. General Assembly has repeatedly voted an end to that cruel blockade. And as we near the 44th anniversary of the Nicaraguan Revolution, I want to remind everyone that the only country convicted by the UN system for state terrorism, which was done in a decision of the United Nations International Court of Justice in 1986, was the United States. It was convicted of state terrorism against Nicaragua during the Contra War. Nicaragua is now demanding payment of that debt, which is well into the tens of billions of dollars. And we must support this call for justice. Long live Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. As the first free black republic in the world, which provided material and military support to the struggles for independence in that region. So Haiti is, has become a region, uh, a laboratory 
for neocolonialism and neoliberalism and a centuries-long counter-revolution against black freedom and sovereignty. The successful slave revolution served as a real-life example of how to free oneself from the grips of colonialism and, and capitalism for countries in America, including the slave population in the United States. So the imperialist powers then and now are trying to make an example of Haiti and trying to sow fear and division in the oppressed people and nations of the world. U.S. imperialism has waged a propaganda campaign which characterizes Haiti as the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But the tides are turning through organizing and raising awareness of the true cause and the common enemy of the masses of the people worldwide. Why is Haiti the so-called poorest country in the Western Hemisphere? Haiti was one of the first countries to experience blockades and sanctions. When the imperial powers refused to recognize their independence, and Haiti was imposed with an economic embargo by France and U.S. sanctions. Haiti was forced to pay back France for the loss of their property. Shame. Property as in people. Shame. Shame. Property that they, that are humans, that they, the French claimed that was, that was their rightful uh, claim. The current value of the money Haiti was forced to pay the French and the U.S. banks is over $20 billion. They wanted to make an example of Haiti, but oh no, the Haitian people resist, and we need to do the same thing wherever we are. Yep. But the measures, so what's going on in Haiti right now? These type of measures continue today in so many different ways, but more, but more particularly, Haiti is poor because of the crisis of imperialism. But like I said, the masses of Haitian people continue to resist and we must be in solidarity even if we feel the pressure, right? Of all of those imperialist powers trying to sow division and fear in us. The Haitian people continue to fight for self-determination and sovereignty and even in their dire state are in, in solidarity with struggles all over the world including Latin America and the U.S. Capitalism and imperialism is in crisis. It's crumbling and the masses, the oppressed masses of the world want a new system that prioritizes people and planet over profit. Haiti is not poor. In spite of the struggle to survive day to day, the Haitian people are rich in the spirit of resistance. And the core group and the United Nations formation called BNU, uh, also known as the United Nations Integrated Office in Haiti, want to continue to occupy Haiti. And as a matter of fact, recently, they are trying to do the same exact thing that they did in the 1990s and the early 2000s. But we know, we know what we need to do, right? Yes. The government that was not elected by the people but was installed by the U.S. and its allies and the elite class of Haiti and are calling to invade and occupy Haiti again. This is not what the people want. Are we surprised? We're not surprised by this, right? They do this all the time. It's more of the same, right? And we must call this out at every opportunity 
no to invasion and occupation, yes to sovereignty and self-determination for the Haitian people. All right, so now I want to talk about the zone of peace in America very briefly. The Black Alliance for Peace, along with key partner organization, is leading an effort um, that was led by CELAC, also known as the Community of Latin America of Caribbean States, in 2014 to call for the zone of peace. This campaign was informed by the Black radical peace tradition with the focus on structures and interests that generate war and state violence. Of course, that is colonialism, patriarchy, capitalism, and all forms of imperialism. The fight for the zone of peace is, is an attempt to expel all of these forces from the region of the, of the Americas. Support the work of the Black Alliance for Peace. Join an organization fighting for the justice of people. We can only defeat and overturn this system by being organized and having a, polit a correct political understanding of what is happening in Haiti and around the world. No compromise, no retreat. And Rebecca from Black Alliance for Peace will have the last word on today's show. She was speaking July 16th, 2023 in front of the White House at a rally to celebrate and defend the sovereignty of Latin American and Caribbean countries. This is On the Ground, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. You can contact us, work with us, support us, and listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. If you like the show, let us know by liking us on Facebook or Twitter or patreon.com forward slash on the ground show. Or I also link to all shows on my Instagram page, Esther underscore Averum. That's I, V like Victor, E-R-E-M like Mary. The music we played this hour included We Are Rising by Tiny Asili. Who's Illegal by Jaziri X featuring Rhymefest, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Averam. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace. Take up all your sweet time. I'll give it
right back to you. I wanted to say. I didn't mean to take up all your sweet time. 